Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fraser's ball, Callum Wilson is onside here, Callum Wilson has equalised! Wilson is off to mark for the season! As simple as Leicester's goal there, carries down the inside left channel, Wilson with his left foot, squeezed it across goal and squeezed it inside off the far post and it's 1-1. Good morning, it's Monday morning, my name's Sam Davis, welcome to episode 57 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Cherries at the weekend went down 3-1 to Leicester City in an abject performance which created a number of talking points, mainly what the hell are we going to do against Everton and VAR is awful. Jeff's here with me and we're going to be dissecting it very, very shortly, but first let's kick off with some light trivia. It's Do You Remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? So, Do You Remember? This week comes as a result of me seeing a tweet yesterday from Jim Smith. He's Jim underscore AFCB. And uh, it actually turned out that 25 years ago yesterday... Mel Machin was appointed AFCB manager with the Cherries in a right old state. We lost the first seven games of the season, had nine points at Christmas. In that season, five teams went down as well, but he kept us up. What a legend. Hashtag great escape. Jim, I'm with you there. And as a result of that, I thought I would hark back to those days. And my question, well, there's three parts to this question, all revolves around the last game of the season. We were playing Shrewsbury. I remember on our final goal, running down the terraces of the South End, hugging randomers. I was so ecstatic that we stayed up. But the question is, we did play Shrewsbury, but what was the final score? Who were the scorers? And also, on the video, what was the name of the chairman who can be seen boarding the back of a yellow bus 
and driving off into the distance. After I think he said something along the lines of "Bring a mate, double the gate" or something like that, and then he was telling people to come along for the next season of the roller coaster ride. So we're looking for firstly the score against Shrewsbury in the last match of the Great Escape One season, the scorers, and the name of our chairman at the time who could be seen driving off into the sunset on a yellow bus. The answer is going to be at the end of the show. So, Cherries played Leicester at the weekend. We went down 3-1. Once again, we got your fan thoughts in. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed. But, got to say, kudos this week to Mr Simon Hater. Took my place during the match report with some live, raw audio. I think this is classic. Simon, take it away, and thank you very much. Admittedly, they look good coming forward too. 15 minutes, so 16 minutes gone. Oh my god, Vardy just chased down Ramsdale, tried to kick it, hit Vardy, luckily it came back to his hands. Oh, that could have been awful for Rambo. So 28 minutes in, there's so much space, it's a really good game. But really confident we'll make more chances. I'm equally confident they will too. Hardy again, out wide, gets lucky. Cook decides not to challenge. It'll be a penalty. Decent ball across. We don't clear it. Bounces off his leg into the net. Absolutely ridiculous. But we haven't played well for the last 10 minutes. Just seen the replay. Literally bounced off. Yet again, 45 degree angle and managed to go off the post. Half time. Really promising start. Even a going goal goal down. We look the better team. No surprise when we equalised, so we had a good spell. Last 20 minutes or 25, though, to be honest, we've done very little. The odd foray, but Leicester look more composed. We can't handle Vardy. Um, at the moment, I've got to be honest, I don't think we're going to come back from this. Maybe we'll get a point. Depends, um, depends if Eddie makes any changes. Harry Wilson's been pretty absent. Uh, Fraser's been intermittent. A couple of good crosses and quite a bit of disappointment. Uh, and the ball, as usual, isn't really sticking enough with Callum and uh, Kingy up front. Filling and Lerma look good in the middle, though, winning the ball a uh, fair bit. Exactly halfway through the second half, corner of the ball. Oh, I've been slanky already looking to make a difference. Wilson's gone down in the box, did a clear penalty. He's booked him. Surely it's VAR. 
Ridiculous goal. Nepal just didn't clear it. But what he's thinking, all falls to Vardy. Arsenal takes our own downfall yet again. Absolute rubbish in the defence. So thank you very much to Simon for his raw match audio there. That's quality. And check out his YouTube video as well. Go to our channel and click his match review. Right. There was obviously a contentious issue over the weekend. We'll deal with that later. But these are some of the other fans' thoughts this weekend that don't involve those horrendous three letters. Hi, it's Ashley. Uh, just got back from Leicester. Where to start with today? Um... I thought we played all right in the first half. We were perhaps unlucky to be 2-1 down. We were right in the game. It was good to see Callum score and uh, some of our approach play was pretty fluid, I thought, in the first half. Yet again, though, there was complete inability to play an accurate final pass, particularly from Fraser. Um, Mepham had an absolute shocker for their first goal. And in fact, I thought Vardy targeted him uh, throughout the game and made it very difficult for him. Uh, There was more sloppy defending for the second goal as well. I've no idea what was said at half-time, but the second half performance was woeful. Poor defending, a lack of intent, no desire going forward. It was really terrible. Fraser looked like he was going through the motions. And Josh King's indifference gets more frustrating to me by the week. His inability to hold the ball up cost us the third goal. I also think for all his talent, Harry Wilson struggles to impose himself on a game. And maybe we're probably expecting uh, too much of him. The last 15 minutes, it looked as though we basically gave up. And as a travelling supporter, it was pretty hard to stomach, actually, the end of the game. No need to panic, uh, but overall, the only two who emerged with any kind of credit for me were Lerma and Billing. Final thought, uh, we couldn't defend in the Championship, and we still can't defend five years later. Thanks, bye. Hey, it's Claire Carlin again, North Down season ticket holder. It just didn't seem to happen for us today. Um, in so many ways. I question how many throw-ins do we need before we can take advantage of the possession and how many corners do we need. Every one of the corners seemed to end up at a Leicester player and it looked like they were on the brink and they were going to go down their end in school. I can't get my head around the, the possession today. We just didn't. We looked scruffy in places and all three of their goals were caused by defensive errors and we worked so hard to get our goal. So hard. It was great to see Callum on, on the goal score sheet. Fantastic to see Callum, and hopefully this will breed some confidence. But we had to work so hard, and silly defensive errors really, really cost us today. Fraser as well. He he was really not brilliant. I don't think Fraser's been brilliant so far this this season. I'm a big fan of Fraser's, but not so far this season. I think he really needs to sign his contract, um, with us because I don't think he's going anywhere big at the moment he certainly there was talks of Arsenal but he won't be going there playing the way he is at the moment unless he picks something up we look like we we looked at like at 2-1 though that for a while we looked like we could have got back up that we had a potential to come on and do something I mean the first half performance today was okay in places and large places but not in the second we just looked scruffy and disorganized and that they were going to break away in school, and we really—I thought they were going to go on and get a fourth, which is really sad. The seven seven minutes added on was never going to make any difference. We just looked like we were dead and buried at two one at three one down with no ideas, and we'd look like we'd basically given up. 
which was which was a real real shame. I don't understand what we were doing with our third goal. We we're in our own penalty area, m- messing around with the ball. We should have just booted it out. There's a question over VAR today because obviously, and Sky Sports and I believe Radio Silent were also commenting and going mad. My family have said who won the match, but we're listening to it that there really, really should have been a red card instant given. So I question the validity of VAR so far this season. I don't think it's really helped us. In fairness, Leicester deserved to win today. I don't think we can dispute that. They're a much more disciplined side and there was was some real concerns with our players dropping like flies in terms of injuries. Billings as well, great player, but yet another yellow card. He'll be suspended soon. It's really not great. It's uh, Mark here. Um, I go to every home and away game. I'm based in the Midlands, but just got back from Leicester, so it's not too far for me, thankfully. But I just wanted to say that first, we actually deserve nothing from the game today. Um, We were poor. Um, One of the things that worries me the most is how tired we look at the moment, especially at the end of the game. Like the last couple of games, yeah, fair enough, the the City game, they tired us out, but we, we... we didn't have anything to offer when the subs came on. When Solanke and I came on, they both looked a bit lively, but there was no one supporting them. There was nothing um, from any of uh, any of the other players. Wilson, Callum Wilson looks knackered. Fraser looks knackered. King looks knackered. Um, it's just not great. So I think the international break might be coming at the right time, although all of them will probably be going off to international duty. So whether they'll get the break they need, I don't know. Um and also, Leicester had a full team out in midweek, and we didn't. So I don't know why they had more of the more energy than we had. Um, I think recently we've been giving teams too much possession, and I know we play counter-attacking football, but giving them too much possession gives them the chance to tire us out, and I think that might be what's happening. Um, I don't think the formation we're playing at the moment works. I don't think three at the back's the way forward. Um, yes, we look good against City with it but that might be the type of game it works for not necessarily the the teams like Leicester and Sheffield United I don't think it's worked when we did play 4-4-2 against Villa that's when we got that's when we got our win so I don't think that's a coincidence I think that's I think that's something that needs to be looked at because I don't think three at the back's working and I think teams are learning now that if you put pressure on us at the back we're going to make mistakes we're not good when teams put us under pressure um, and that's happened today I mean Vardy closed down Ramsdale three times today I think it was um, the third goal was a joke just trying to pass it out from pass it out inside the box and it's going to happen they're going to score when you're doing that they're going to especially with Vardy and Madison putting a lot of pressure on Tielemans all of them they were they knew that that was what what they needed to do and they got the reward for it and it's they're not the only team to have done it to us loads of teams are doing to, doing it to us now so yeah and I've just looked back at our last, well, from sort of Christmas time last year, we've conceded two or more goals in 18 of our last 27 league games. So in 18 games, those 18 games, in those 27 games, we've needed to score two or more to get anything from the games in 18 of them. That's too many. I don't know who's the defensive coach and if if we need to look at that if we need to get new defensive coaches in I don't know but that's that's far too many goals to be conceded 
Okay, so those were the fan thoughts there. Really interesting to hear some of the same voices and a different voice as well. Simon, it was absolutely great to have your match analysis, but also uh, the game itself. Your reactions were superb. The highs and lows of being an AFC Bournemouth fan. eh? So yeah, it's Monday morning, depressed and empty feeling that the best days are behind us but hey the air show is going to be back next year it's it's all going to be good but in terms of being a Bournemouth fan oh my goodness went down 3-1 to Leicester at the weekend Jeff some raw feelings how how are you feeling right now pretty depressed um that goal that first goal oh mate yeah don't (laughs) please don't do it to me it's it's horrible I mean we'll you know we'll go through the ins and outs of the game but in terms of the um the team lineup what did you think when it was announced because I was actually quite positive until I actually saw the team sort of taking its place on the pitch and then from what I thought was going to be a 5-3-2 it ended up to be a 4-4-2 well as People who listen to the podcast will know I'm not a huge fan or convinced by the way we play 5-3-2. I'm not sure we've got the personnel to do it. So when I saw him pick three centre-halves, I was feeling a little bit edgy, I've got to say. Um, and then you're right. When you see him line up on the pitch and you realise he's going to play Ake at left back, uh, OK. You know they've got Jamie Vardy, don't you, who's really quick, don't you? Um and, you know, it, it. I'm not sure what the plans were to deal with that, but it, I mean, it didn't work, did it? No, I mean, Mepham had a blinder in midweek against Forest Green Ravers, He, but that is playing against a League Two strike force. And yeah, he was head and shoulders above, you know, what they could do, which you would expect that to, you know, be the case, really. But him and Cook, fairly untested as a duo. So to move you know, to move Ake out there. I mean, I, I genuinely thought it was going to be the case that Smith was going to be on the right, you know, right wing back. Um, and then you would have uh, Fraser on the left with the three of Ake, Cook and Mepham, but it didn't turn out to be the case. And uh, yeah, when I saw him starting there, it it, it did... Uh, it did worry me somewhat, but we, I mean, we actually started not too bad in the game itself. And uh, it was very sort of cat and mouse early stages. And, you know, the commentators were comparing it to a game of NBA, very end to end. But, you know, it was always going to be one of those games where anything could happen, wasn't it? It was. And I thought um, we started quite positively, quite brightly. It was a bit end to end, but when uh, it gets to the 10th minute, we are attacking. We are attacking. And in fact, Josh King has the ball down in that uh, corner. The defender nips in and gets it. He plays a pass across the penalty box straight to Callum Wilson. What does Callum do? Turns, gives it to Ryan. And Ryan takes the shot instead of taking that chap on the left and having a shot with his left. He just... that was the critical moment and it breaks then back to uh chill chill who hits that long ball and the rest was just like oh my god but yeah honestly that was our attacking threat and they make a mistake and get away with it boom we get crucified yeah I, I it was funny because last season at home leicester city ryan fraser had a similar circumstance where he scored and um, he was you know bearing down on the Leicester City defenders and then he went inside 
and then curled a lovely right-footed um, you know, effort beyond the outstretching arms of Kasper Michael and put us 1-0 up, and that was great. But um, he seems to not want to do the whole feign, you know, like the drop of the shoulder and then to you know take it around, because I've seen Ryan Fraser do this many occasions before where he can take it on the outside and then cross it in with his left, um, where he pulls the defender out, it creates space in the middle, and then, you know, usually Callum Wilson will mop up. But yeah, he went for a shot. And then obviously it was saved, and then it broke to, I think you said Chilwell, long ball. And Chris Mappham, how flat-footed was he? He was flat. I, I've just seen the goal again, uh, put myself through that trauma again. <laughs> Why did you I, do that? <laughs> I, I, well, I just wanted to just see really who's at fault there, because you've mm. got two centre-halves marking one man, right? And you and I both played football at a very amateur level I'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah I say so the guy who is the spare centre half Cook should be dropping deep as soon as Chilwell has that ball and he can see he's going to hit it um, and in fact you watch Mepham and Mepham anticipates that he's going to play it short to Vardy and he thinks he's going to nip in it gets caught but actually Cookie should have been covering and they just don't have the legs to get back you know once they once they're both caught doing the same thing Ball watching effectively, Vardy's gone. Vardy's yeah. gone. Yeah, that's right. And I said on a on a YouTube video that I put out yesterday. I mean, why not give Vardy a yard? So just you know, drop back about uh, you know, yeah, just one yard will do it. Because I mean, obviously, I don't know whether Chris Meppen was really tight to Jamie Vardy to try to play the offside trap or something. But if you're right alongside him you're always going to get done for pace by Vardy. I mean, the key, in my opinion, is to give him a few, you know, like a split second or two, so you can just read the situation and then you can either step in with a challenge or step back. But, you know, if he does run at you, at least you've got that extra yard that will help you winning the duel. And because they were side by side, Vardy was always going to win that. Aaron Ramsdale, you know, I don't think it was his fault at all because he would not have expected that either. And for Vardy, it was a... I mean, I'd say it was a relatively easy finish. It it was a great finish, I thought. And uh, yeah, you know, I don't blame Ramsdale. He, yes, he was caught in no man's land, which which gave Vardy the only only shot he could make, and he made it. But it, honestly, I think I think the defenders, the two centre halves, need to do that better. Mm. What's most disappointing about it is if you listen to Cookie on the AFCB TV interview afterwards, you can tell he's disappointed. He says we were practicing that all week. No, oh, no way. That's scary. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely scary that that's the case. And uh, I mean, if they were, oh, I don't know, I just that just the formation. I mean, it's it's very easy to say um, how bad it was afterwards. I mean, had we had we maybe you know pulled it back to two all at some stage and then maybe nicked a winner, we'd all be saying how how sort of amazing it was. But I mean, it was clear that it didn't work because there were a number of there were. A number of occasions where you know Leicester sneaked in and you know could have scored, but then you know we could have two. It was it was very cat and mouse, and you know that nature was personified by the fact that we equalised pretty much straight away, and um, it was a decent goal, wasn't it? Lovely, fit, lovely pass, lovely finish. Um, Ryan Fraser combining with Callum Wilson, it was like last season. Really, really good run from Callum, and beautiful finish with that left foot in off the post. I mean, gorgeous. 
Yeah, it really was. And uh, what I quite liked about it was the way he slightly chipped the finish as well. Because had he played it along the floor, Schmeichel would have just saved it because his outstretched leg or whatever it was was you know would have been in the way. But he just just slight chip, and just the yeah, the momentum took it into the um, into the corner there. And uh, as you could hear Simon on the match report there, he was absolutely ecstatic and you know giving V signs to the opposition etc. And at that stage, he thought, well, you know, this kit this game could go either way, and you always get that feeling with playing Leicester City that um, we we are two very similar teams that you know are playing each other and it was a game of cat and mouse and there were a number of chances you know for both sides after that weren't there? There were we had a, a couple of decent opportunities particularly uh, one fell to Billing I thought on his on his right foot not his left which he you know could have done better with and uh, Jeff Lerma had another shot from outside the box where he thought, uh, you know, wish he he should have done better. Um, so we were we were in the game and we were threatening. Their chances that they were creating were, you know, pretty decent. I thought Madison looked good for them. Um, very very difficult for us to pick up in the middle. And uh, I think you mentioned to me earlier, Sam, when Billing and Lerma got yellow carded. Oh, yeah. You know that kind of cuts their efficiency down in that middle of the field um, and makes them less effective. Yeah, I don't. I do find that. I mean, you know, I can't remember who it was booked first. Maybe Billing, and then afterwards it was Lerma. And when they were both booked, you you know, you're sort of thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be a very stunted um, performance because they're obviously not going to go flying into the challenges like they do. They are those kind of heart on their sleeve players that will that would you know nine times out of ten you, you know, go into a you tackle. Um, 110% and when they were both booked you're thinking right they are they've been very much like stunted and then you know Leicester City did start to cut through both Lerma and Billing like a knife through butter at times I remember a few occasions where they um, you know were playing through them in the second half you know with ease and it's it's a shame when that's both the case I mean I'm glad that none of them got sent off um, obviously uh, our only other feasible option would have been to bring on Sermon which we did later on um, but uh, yeah having those two in the middle I mean the, when I look at it it's sort of afterwards once again those were our standout players. But, um, you know, once again, they were bypassed completely, ball over the top for Leicester's second. It was a ball over the top. Uh, Vardy picks it up. It actually, it, it came back to him off Cookie, a bit unlucky. And then um, he sort of, yeah, gets the ball through <laughs> through his legs somehow. <laughs> um, and you look at that goal again and you're thinking, the covering player has to be closer to Cookie just in case that happens. Uh, and, you know, you shouldn't have that time to to go through the centre half and then not be challenged until you're on the edge of the six-yard box effectively, which was what happened. Mm, yeah, that's right. It was such a shame at 2 one because I thought, I mean, up until that point, I thought, you know, we're, you know any team could win this. But at 2-1, I, I then sort of thought, oh, Leicester are going to, you know, Leicester are going to do us now. And, it, you know, unfortunately... Um, we just before half time we had a sort of training ground corner where Harry Wilson couldn't quite convert, so we went in um, at two one. Uh, I wasn't feeling overly optimistic, and then then in the second half we didn't we didn't really show much. I mean, when you think of the actual chances, um, there weren't many. Uh, Adam Smith was probably closest, where there was a sort of flowing attack. I think um, Harry Wilson played Callum Wilson, who was. 
then played it just behind Adam Smith. So he just had to retreat somewhat and then had to play it onto his left. But then I think Johnny Evans forced a corner. But that was the closest we come, really. I mean, Solanke came on later on to some effect. But it was, um, you know, the game management by Leicester was there to be seen, wasn't it? Yes, I do think we've got to get a bit more ruthless with our cutting edge. Um, that chance that was crafted for Smith, you know, we need to make sure that that sort of opportunity, we take it. That's the second time Smithy's had a, had a chance and um, not finished. Don't want to be too critical of him because you're right, the pass was slightly behind him, but that Callum, you've got to make that pass better. Smithy, you've got to hit it first time and finish it. Uh, Solanke, his his chance that you, you pointed out, you know, great great effort, but actually Jordan Ibe was clear free on the on his right, so the better pass would be play Ibe in, you know, and we're just we're just not clinical enough, and and certainly that was the case against City Man City last week. Um, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, when, um, obviously, on, on is around 63 minutes that Eddie Howe made a double substitution. So, Ibe came on for Wilson, Solanke for Smith. Obviously, Smith's injury, um, however long he's out for, I do not know. But it's one to add to the pile, which is not particularly good. Harry Wilson, what what did you make of him yesterday? Not enough, unfortunately. I think, I th- I'm, I'm not sure that we found the right position for him, if I'm honest. Um, we need to find a way to get more creativity out of our midfield. I completely understand the pairing of, of Billing and Lerma, uh, particularly at the moment with who we've got available, but it's where that creativity is coming from. And, and like you, seeing that team sheet, you think, well, Harry Wilson's going to be playing that Brooks role, um, and I'm not sure he's entirely comfortable doing that. You know, he's great at set plays, but are we getting him the ball enough in those dangerous positions? And if we're not, we've got to figure out a way to get him that ball because he is our main creative threat. Well, you don't really see him running it. Um, I didn't really remember any sort of circumstance during that game where you saw him running at defenders, whereas you did with Ryan Fraser a couple of times. And, um, you know, Ryan Fraser didn't have the best of games, I've got to say. But, uh, you know, there were occasions in the first half where he looked quite dangerous. And he's always got um, the ball, you know, his ball retention's not bad, actually, Ryan Fraser. He keeps the ball sort of quite well and he can always come back onto his left foot and then cross it in. Um, but Harry Wilson sort of, yeah, uh, barely visible, really. I mean, you've got him for the set pieces, which is absolutely fantastic. But, um yeah, it's, it, he isn't the instant Brooks replacement that I thought he was going to be. Um, now, there, of course, are a couple of incidents that we will talk about later on in terms of VAR, Jeff, and one of which involved Callum Wilson. But we'll we'll talk more about VAR a bit later on, because for me, it should have been a red card. And then there's one later on, actually, where Jeff Lerma went into a challenge, which which could have been but there was also a penalty claim that where Wilson went down but do you feel as though that was a bit soft watching that again Callum goes down a little bit too easily um he's great Callum at putting his body in the way to get those penalty decisions uh and not simulating I thought yesterday he just got his timing slightly wrong he needs to he needs to just hold his position to get a bigger shove from the defender he did get shoved but you know away from a home you can you can see why refs are gonna 
book you for simulation rather than give you a penalty in that sort of situation. I don't think he died for it. I just think it wasn't enough of a nudge for the fall that happened. Yeah, no, I um, I do agree with that. And it was it was quite interesting, actually, watching the Arsenal v Spurs match uh, earlier on today. So that's yesterday, if you're listening on a Monday. And Harry Kane does exactly the same as Callum Wilson, although he maybe does it with a little bit more finesse. But he kind of... Um, he looks for the penalty, um, and but he gets off scot free, so no yellow card. But Callum Wilson gets booked for it. Uh, I just do not understand. Um, it's it's bizarre. The uh, you know there is such a it's just it it's almost random with the way the referees sort of dish out yellow cards. Really, there doesn't seem to be any constant whatsoever, and uh, I find it really infuriating in terms of the VAR, which we'll talk about later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I agree that that wasn't a penalty. And then moments later, AFC Bournemouth from 2-1 down, go 3-1 down, another defensive nightmare. Ping-pong in the box. Metham should clear, doesn't clear. Goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. There's there's almost no emotion there, Jeff, when you're speaking. It's just like you knew it was going to happen almost. Oh, well, it was inevitable. The way The way that second half was going... You could just feel it coming, unfortunately, and Ed Bivardi again. Mm. It it honestly didn't feel like we were going to get back into that match. Uh, from about 65, 70 minutes onwards, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, Jordan Ibe came on to not, uh, to little effect, I'd say. Um, again, like I said in a YouTube video earlier in the week, when it's like he's playing a game of musical statues. So when the ball's, uh, you know, with the rest of the team, you know the music's going and then as soon as someone passes to Y it's like the music stops and he just stays still with the ball and then all momentum is lost and his first touch was awful because he gave possession away I think he gave away a throw in and there was another time where he should have been overlapping and he was extremely deep and oh, I don't know I really want it to happen for him just like I want it to happen for I but uh, sorry for Rico as well but uh, yeah he, he didn't come on to much effect, but Solanke, I thought he 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 did relatively well. And like you say, he had that shot from distance. It was not a bad shot, but it was a fairly good save by Schmeichel, wasn't it? It was a good save. And uh, Sam, can I just say your analysis of Jordan Ibe is recommended viewing for any podcast listener. <laughs> Spot on, on the money. I, I think the broader issue with the team at the moment is there. it doesn't feel like it's the right eleven. The, no. the balance isn't quite right. We've got a lot of injuries and uh, Smithy being out is not good news because mm. fullback is where we are particularly vulnerable. So you look at that injury list, you look at the players in the squad yeah. and you think, come on, Eddie, you've got to get this balance right. Yeah, Brooks, Lewis Kirk, Dan Gosling, Stanislas, Dan Juma, Francis, Daniels, Kelly, and now Smith. It's depressing, isn't it? And, so depressing. And, uh, you know, what, you know, Fraser's not been great so far. What competition has he got for places? Well, it, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, Kilkenny, um, I didn't see much of that Forest Green game the other, the other night, but I. The reports I read that Kilkenny wasn't that great, so... No, I mean, Kilkenny was playing in a more... Because he can play both centre-mid and also on the wing as well. So he was in the centre with uh, Andrew Sermon, and 
I thought he did all right. He's a young player, a little bit lightweight, but then, you know, that's what I said of Brooks, and Brooks completely turned my head after his first mm. few competitive performances for FC North. But Kilkenny, I think, has got a lot of work to do, but he, he's got potential. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Jordan Ibe's not exactly a threat, and you're thinking, like, all our attacking players, they you know, they need to come back ASAP. And what about Joshi? Because... Again, yesterday, it, it felt like it wasn't quite 100% there, you know. Mm. We, we need him, we need Ryan firing like they can fire, like they did in parts last season, you know, where we've got that kind of dynamism and real threat on the break. Um, come on, guys, lift it, come on. Yeah, exactly, yeah, we, we certainly need that. And, uh, you know, they've got two weeks to go away now, and hopefully have a think I mean some of them are on international duty of course um, maybe it's a blessing in disguise maybe it's not I don't, I don't know it, it probably is because it just gives us more time to maybe get a few players back to uh, some kind of contention um, in terms of fitness and yeah I just I, I just hope that we can turn it around and Everton at home surely is the ideal game to do so because if we if we don't get something there then we've got Saints which is never an easy place to go to and you can see how things can go downhill quite quickly can't you we've got to get a result against Everton and I take encouragement from the way they played against Villa uh, a week ago mm. I am discouraged by the way they played today against Wolves <laughs> so it's going to be an mm. interesting two weeks ahead mm. indeed hi this is Gary Chapman the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stand shouting up the cherries you're listening to back of the net so, if you haven't heard already, Back of the Net has got its own YouTube channel. Uh, you can go to our website or click on our Twitter bio. It's got the link on there. Uh, search Back of the Net Bournemouth on YouTube. We'd really appreciate subscribes to this channel. Trying to upload some raw, unadulterated thoughts. So, whilst we keep the podcast fairly square-free, I think Jeff maybe came up with a bloody hell the other week, which was um, pushing it a bit, Jeff, but we'll forgive you. Um on the YouTube channel, it's very much no holds barred. Uh, trying to get your opinion after every game. So uh, after the Everton game, I will be standing outside the main reception, just slightly to the left. So it's not on the kind of bit to the car park. It's just by the fence there. And I'll be there doing some post-match thoughts. So please come along for a chat. It'll just be like two or three minutes and we'll upload it straight away. Lots of people have been sort of appreciating what we've been doing so far. Just trying to get some... Uh, raw emotion and upload it straight away onto YouTube. I find that Twitter and the forums it's very much usernames, no accountability, but if you're going to back up your opinion, why not speak and show your face on camera? Uh, we'd really love to have you on. I think it's quite addictive viewing sometimes. We've met some great people so far that have got some awesome opinions. And um, yeah, it's just about kind of being accountable to your opinions. And I find that seeing people who are passionate about the cherries is... Um, I don't know, I, I kind of can appreciate people's opinions a bit more when you see the general emotion that goes into it rather than just people uh, kicking off in textual format on online forums and stuff. I find it quite addictive, actually, and I'm trying to do this just to make ASCB have a bigger presence in terms of uh, fan base on YouTube, really. Uh, so if you want to come along and get involved, please do. As I said, outside the main reception, slightly to the left by the fence, uh, we would love to see your face. And please, please do subscribe to the channel. So if you're listening to your podcast app at the moment, uh, just basically close it off, 
load up YouTube, search Back of the Net Bournemouth, hit subscribe and uh, it will just see how popular we can get and uh, fingers crossed we can carry on representing the thoughts of AFC Bournemouth fans far and wide. to making that substitution because he took him off and brought him on and he scored oh, the winner t- absolutely rubbish defending again from Tottenham always result. let me down the the way, that's just been really. taken off oh my god it's 2-2 oh, no way oh my god it's disallowed it's not the first game yes and VAR yes I've intervened oh my god look at Clint no no it's not over it's not it's not Guardiola, you better stop kissing Aguero, mate. It's twos each. No, it's a, no it is a go- It's not. He's no, it's still not. checking. It will be yeah, a goal. It's still being checked. It will What's be a goal. Like, it will be a goal. It's VAR here. We're going to go for a foul. There's something going on. Oh, it's given. No goal. Oh, my God. No goal. Unbelievable. I just celebrated like an absolute fraud. And apparently, according to Hubert Spurs are frauds. It's twos each. He was wrong. So that there was from the Ladbrokes kickoff describing the Man City Spurs VAR debacle. And here we've got our own thoughts from Mark, Claire, and Simon Hayter. VAR is not being used correctly at the moment. Um, how that red card decision was not overturned. Um, he's nearly broken his ankle. Um, and. What they were looking at, I have absolutely no idea because that is one of the most obvious red cards I've seen for a while. And you could tell on Tielemans' face when he did it, even in the game, even in the ground, you could tell he knew he'd done something wrong and he was in trouble. So how that wasn't overturned, I don't know. There's a question over VAR today because obviously, and Sky Sports and I believe Radio Solent were also commenting and going mad. My family have said who weren't at the match but were listening to it that there really, really should have been a red card instant given. So I've questioned the validity of VAR so far this season. I don't think it's really helped us. First of all, start with VAR. Um, How is that not a red card? Absolutely ludicrous. Um, The only thing I can give um, some empathy to the uh, referee, I think only saw it from the angle from the other side. I have to admit, when I watched it, I didn't see the the challenge because we were that side of the pitch as well. However, if we're going to have VAR, surely dangerous challenges like that are the whole point. Then there's the penalty incidents. Last week, uh, Wilson, he's pulled back by Laporte. It affects him. Um, in my view, that's a penalty. Uh, soft, maybe, but what is a soft penalty? Again, yesterday, the Turkish guy pulls him back. Uh, sorry, didn't pull him back. He knocked, um, knocked his leg, and Wilson goes down relatively easily, I admit. The, um, pundits normally call that clever, uh, but not when it's a Bournemouth player, obviously. They're fouls, they're fouls in the box and um, you know, there's, and there's the Grealish uh, incident at Villa. He's gone down under momentum. How can these referees possibly know whether those players have dived or not? If you don't think it's a penalty in those instances, play on. Oh, so yes, those dreaded three letters, Jeff, come out to haunt us. It's, you know, we've not been on the bad end of much in terms of VAR so far. Most fans have maligned it and it was our turn this weekend and Callum Wilson, we we touched on it earlier, but we're leaving this as a VAR sort of analysis segment. What are your thoughts on VAR so far? I mean, is it working? I've got one word. Oh, go on. 
Varsicle. Varsicle. Yeah, completely. It's left me feeling so mardy about the whole concept because I thought it was going to give some accountability to the whole refereeing errors that we used to put, you know, like I said on a YouTube video earlier, um, earlier yesterday, uh, the referees just after the game, they go back into the little hideaway. They say nothing to the camera. Supporters argue for a week or so until the next game. Managers get fined because they're so frustrated. There's no accountability. I thought that the whole point in VAR was to basically, uh, you know, they can either back up or rebuke any sort of decisions that the referees make. Good or bad, they can change it. But then when you see Yuri Tillemans going in on Callum Wilson, studs up and see his ankle moves like it does in a potential break, you know, it, it could have broken his ankle. He was nowhere near the ball. Exactly. And how was that not a red? Uh, speechless. What I can say is that our referees must have the biggest but most fragile egos of any referees in the world. <laughs> yeah. Because the only way that they are running VAR at the moment is to not overturn any decisions on the pitch mm. so that they're protecting our lovely referees from being criticised, from getting it wrong. Because, of course, if they get it wrong, they'll probably collapse and have a mental breakdown and yeah. live, give up the game. That can be the only reason. It's it's bizarre. I mean, uh, people watching Sky Sports Soccer Saturday, Phil Thompson thought it was a straight red. Don Goodman, who I think apparently was doing the World Feed um, co-commentary, said it was a straight red and said, you know, he's going to be lucky to stay on the pitch. Uh, he did stay on the pitch. No, you know, not a booking, no nothing. Um, and Chris Temple from Radio Solo said, you know, Gary Lineker is going to have something to say about this. Gary Lineker did not have something to say about this. You know, Leicester fan Gary Lineker brushed over it fairly swiftly, handing to Tim Cahill, who, who almost backed up uh, Tillemans by saying, well, he wasn't looking at the ball. Well, you know, nor was Tyro Mings when he stem stamped on Ibrahimovic's head, but he, he got sent off. It's absolutely bizarre. Um, VAR was supposed to be... Inv it was there to take away, you know, the element of doubt, really. And I just... I just don't understand it because the angles that they were looking at, I, I still don't, you know, problem is as a football fan, I mean, I'd, I'd say I'm fairly learned. I'm not stupid. And I, you know, I read up as much as I can about how it's supposed to work. And I was told that, you know, whatever the VAR team see, the people who are watching TV should see. And you're seeing this footage, like they're calling rocking it, you know, rocking and rolling it, where they're moving it forward and back. And it's from a camera on the halfway line where you can't even see like, any impact at all. It's just bizarre. Peter Banks, referee, what are you doing? Explain that to us, please. If he referees that game and gives a foul and sends Tillemans off, VAR would come in and would not rescind that decision. Because he doesn't see it and it goes to VAR, they can only view it from a camera that's what miles away they're not seeing the slow motion are you kidding me it's yeah it i just find it absolutely farcical and i i even found it quite difficult to stomach even at the man city game at home where i mean to all intents and purposes there wasn't that much in terms of a var influence but there was a situation where sterling was brought down well he wasn't brought down it was a potential penalty claim went out for a throw in about 10 seconds afterwards and then the referee can't remember who it was actually but he paused it he paused the game 
and everyone was wondering what on earth was going on. And then it was still paused, and we were thinking, oh, come on. There was no announcement inside the stadium, no idea whether there was on TV. And then all of a sudden, you hear the Tannoy man say, uh, it wasn't Michael Botto, it was someone else. He did a good job, by the way, I've got to say. Um, the, the person on the PA to yeah, replace Mike, Bocco, uh, Mike Botto, I thought he did very well. Um, he said, you know... VAR checking for penalty, and then two seconds later, no penalty. Now, obviously, they were checking at the very start of that sequence when the ball went out for a throw, and hence the referee held it up. But why weren't the crowd informed? It's just, it seems to be um, very inconsistent, and it is no wonder that... I mean, I would rather be really annoyed by a refereeing sort of decision, bad call for the next week, rather than have to stand this kind of awfulness that we got at the moment. And it's about consistency as well. If they are going to use VAR to disallow a goal for Manchester City against Tottenham in the last minute, they have to disallow the goal that Sheffield United scored against us. If they are going to give a penalty for David Luiz uh, fouling Mo Salah by pulling his shirt back, you've got to give a penalty to us against Manchester City for the same offence. If you're going to send off Andone for Brighton, for a red card over the top tackle, exactly the same as Tillemans. In fact, the ball was closer. Wasn't even in shot yesterday. You've got to give a red card yesterday. And if the ref gets it wrong on the pitch, that's what VAR is there for, to sort it out and stop those howlers. Forget about protecting the referee. Just give the right decision. That's what we want. Yeah, mate, like we should start our own podcast, uh, Jeff, I think, <laughs> about this, because honestly, it is, it's so frustrating. But alas, uh, you know, it didn't change the course of the game. I mean, Leicester did deserve to win it. Um, and oh, on to the next one, I suppose. On to the next one. We We shouldn't get obsessed with VAR. It's easy to get obsessed with it. But you're right. We weren't good enough yesterday. We need to get better and we need to be more consistent. We need to get a back four sorted out with four fit, solid defenders. The midfield needs to work much better going forwards creatively and also as a unit, even if they're on yellow cards with the back four as well. Um, yeah, just just we need to pull ourselves together and, and refocus on what we're good at. Yeah, yeah, completely. Well, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm sort of ready for an international break whereas I I'm not usually but anyway uh, Jeff it's been an absolute pleasure once again thanks Sam always a pleasure for permitting <laughs> yeah so let's get to the do you remember answer hi this is the biggin Steve Fletcher and you're listening to back of the net So we'll come to the trivia answer very, very shortly. But just I uh, wanted to quickly say thank you so much for all the support we've been having over social media. It really is appreciated, whether it's a, a retweet or a share on Facebook or Instagram or a positive comment. It's really appreciated. Jeff and I do do this podcast for free and you can help to remunerate. Is it remunerate? I can never say that word. Remunerate pay us you can help to pay us not not through money we're not asking for donations but what we would like is if you can pop onto itunes and just leave us some kind of review be really appreciated if you like it give us five stars and leave a few comments it just really helps to build the profile of the podcast that's all we want from you Uh, now it was may 1995 
when Bournemouth faced Shrewsbury at Dean Court. It was a lovely, balmy summer's evening. We won the game. I remember hugging strangers running down the terrace of the South End, nearly slipped on those yellow steps. God, they were awful, weren't they? Slippery as hell. But uh, Christmas that season, so that was like five months beforehand, Bournemouth were staring down the barrel of relegation after taking just nine points from the first 21 games. 63 available points, and we only got nine. Hope Hopefully... Not a repeat of that this season, eh? But anyway, the subsequent recovery, masterminded by Mel Machen, became known as the Great Escape, although we look back and it's now the Great Escape 1. It was a thrilling 2-1 win at Brentford in the penultimate match of the season that meant that victory over the Shrews would guarantee safety and watched by a capacity crowd at Dean Court. The game itself was, I mean, it's almost an anti-climax compared to the season as a whole. But these were the goal scorers, goals by Steve Robinson... Two, yeah, that's right, he notched twice. And Scott Mean, with the other one, left Bournemouth 3-0 ahead after just 20 minutes. And as a result, we stayed in Division 2. So it was 3-0, that was the answer to the first question. The second, Steve Robinson scored two and Scott Mean scored the other. And the third, who was the chairman that could be seen at the end of the Great Escape video hopping on to a yellow bus? It was Ken Gardner. Do you remember him with the pipe? Always used to come and mingle with the crowd in the south end in the second half. Absolutely bizarre. Can you remember? Can you imagine that happening now? Uh, don't really think so. Great days there were, and I certainly missed that stadium. So, Jim, thank you very much for reminding me of that. I had no idea. That was 25 years ago today that Mel Machin, basically, it was the start of his tenure that saved our club. The first of many highs and lows that we'll, we've all experienced as Bournemouth fans. But anyway, we're looking forward to Everton. Of course, make sure you come and see me after the game. I'd love to have a chat with you and be sure to share our posts on social media. We really appreciate it. But until then, thank you for listening. And this has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Fraser's ball, Callum Wilson is onside here, Callum Wilson has equalised! Wilson is off the mark for the season! As simple as Leicester's goal there, Jerry's down the inside left channel, Wilson with his left foot, squeezed it across goal and squeezed it inside off the far post and it's 1-1. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.